0: A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person but if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking, whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever you enter a town, and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. The 70 returned with joy, saying, "Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us." He said to them, "I watch Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority." to tread on snakes and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven.
1: And a reading from the letter to the Galatians. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, You who have received this spirit should rejoice, uh, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride, for all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh but if you sow to the spirit you will reap eternal life from the spirit so let us not grow weary in doing what is right for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up so then whenever we have an opportunity let us work for the good of all and especially for those of the family of faith word of the Lord thanks be to God
2: I'm a little nervous about saying this but perhaps some of you have noticed that other than this church people call this holiday the 4th of July I say that only because all the advertisements don't say Independence Day they say the 4th of July and now they've expanded it by saying the 4th of July weekend because the Padres and the Dodgers played, we actually split that, thank you Lord, there's hope, but I just got an email this morning from Home Depot telling me it's still the 4th of July weekend sale. I don't know what you do on the 4th of July, but every year for the 34, almost 35 years we've lived in our little house, we have what's called the Beaumont Parade, and you you can bring your tricycles your bicycles you can also make a float now if you make a float you have to be able to pull it no motorized vehicles whatsoever and so this year was Dr. Seuss and anything that had to do with Dr. Seuss so one of our little travelers in our little float liked green eggs and ham so Rick who's a great artist had this little siding that had green eggs and ham out there with the cat and the ham and the eggs and even cut holes out, so if the kid wanted to peekaboo through and show their face where the cat's face should be, it was really quite adorable. I think it was the best. But then they had this really cool float. I mean, it was so big, it took up almost the whole street. And it was all in the pastel colors. You know how Dr. Seuss does kind of those pinks and, you know, greens and yellow, it did just really, really sweet-looking. And it's, oh, the places you'll go. And they had these big balloons and kids like they were riding on you know in a big balloon and this one child was on a swing she was like swinging and they just looked so adorable and i thought oh the places you'll go and then i thought about we're going where lord because so often god is sending us on a place that we don't really expect to ever be going that's kind of the story of my life in some way and today's uh, scripture text has a lot to do with that as we begin to dive deeply into it will you just pray with me please holy spirit of god you have inspired this text both in luke and in galatians you desire to teach us give us ears to hear a heart to receive and a joy of your presence through our lord jesus in whose name we pray Amen. Now, as you look at Luke, Jesus is sending 70, not just the 12, not just the elite, as some of us think of those disciples, but 70 followers ahead of him to go out, and they're going two by two, which is really good. They're not just alone, but there's 70. They're going out into um, an area ahead of him to show the kingdom of God is near. And he gives them all these instructions. And the first three things he said to him is not what I would really call super good news. Like it's kind of discouraging because the first thing he says is, hey, there's a huge harvest out there and there aren't enough workers. That's when I would normally say, God bless you, good luck. <laughs> there just aren't enough people. So he said, ask, and the asking is, is more of a just please, it's an imploring. Oh, Lord, we need more workers. We need more to, sh- to do the work that you've called us to do. And then he said, I'm sending you. That's an implicit, you're going. That's a, that's a marching order. It's not, well, you think you might be able to go, and can you fit this in your It's like you're going. I'm sending you because the harvest is so big, but I'm discouraging you also because it's a bit overwhelming. Oh, and by the way, it's dangerous. <laughs> just, just so you're ready, you're like lambs going amidst wolves. Now, lambs are really cute. Some say they're, you know, not super clever, but they're not strong. They're not going to fight off wolves. Think about how Paul, before he was Apostle Saul, before he was the Apostle Paul, was described. He was ravenous, like a wolf, just taking out Christians. That's, that's what you can expect. I want to discourage you. It's a lot of work. I want to warn you, it's very dangerous. You're just lambs among the wolves. And then you're going deficient. Right now, my heart would be kind of really pounding because I go with more than enough stuff when I go on mission trips just in case. But he goes, no, don't take money or a purse. Don't take an extra pair of shoes. Don't greet people on the way. I'm sending you to these areas and that's your marching orders and that's where I want you to go. They go in need. And most of us don't think about going out into the world to share the kingdom of God near in what we might call ill-equipped. And I have to be honest with you, when we go on a mission trip, we prepare people this way bring at least three days clothes on the carry-on bag Susan Witt, if she was here, she is here, thank you very much, Susan Witt loaned me about four days worth of clothes while I waited for my luggage because I just packed an overnight case and my luggage eventually got to Kenya five days later about the time we were to move and leave and I'm glad I got it but so now you you overplan. I always carry extra money in case there's an emergency I don't want anyone who's on this mission trip to to be without means or not be able to, if we need something, so I always carry a purse full of resources. Now in the scripture text it says, eat what is set before you, and we're really big about telling people to eat what is set before you. Kenyans are really big on Ugali. Ugali is this huge piece of (laughs) white, Stone that's cuttable, I suppose you would say. It's maize, and they cook it, and they cook it, and they cook it, and they cook it in a huge pot, turn that pot upside down, and cut significant slabs for you to munch on, as well as collard greens and kale. And in this community, they had, they were people of resources, so they had even some meat to throw in there. You have a, a vegetarian and two non meat to eaters. Eat whatever is set before you became a very interesting dilemma, but you eat what is set before you. We ended up saying, Can we please share these huge plates of food? But the other thing that we tell people to do when they're traveling that might be really helpful I don't think I'd be one of the 70 that Jesus would call, to be honest with you. Just pack a few snacks. Like you may want a granola bar, or you, or you may want some, some fruits and nuts, because you can go long hours, long hours, without eating. Or you can get stuck. Or they can give you something that you know if you have a whole lot of it, you will not be leaving your room for a very long time. Jesus said, go hungry, go hungry, go in need, go deficient, in a dangerous place, Let me discourage you because it's a huge task. But go proclaiming the good news. And as you go, go to a town and say, Peace be with this town. And if they receive that peace, they will welcome you in and you've brought to them something wonderful. And when you eat what is served to you by their hands that have labored, you honor them. You give them honor. Eat what's there and dwell with them. We have a tendency to kind of, I have a tendency to flit around, go here and then here and then where else can I go? And I love Aunt Jamie's pie, but you know, Uncle George makes the best pear preserves in the whole world. You're not on a culinary experience here. You are to dwell with the people that open their homes to you. And bring them that peace. And while you're there, heal the sick. And the word for that is beyond just an infirmity, a physical illness, but it can be a spiritual, a psychological. Bring the kingdom of God near. In fact, speak those words. Go. I'm with you. You see, that's the part we have to remember not how equipped we are not how many things we can pack in but that we go with the authority of Jesus and Jesus makes things happen there's a warning too. if you go and they don't receive you if you go and they refuse you dust off your feet Tell them the kingdom of God is near, and good luck, because God will judge you, worse than Sodom, a horrible, violent, terrible place that met demise. Well, okay, the seventy go. Is the seventy a significant number? Is it 70? Is it 72? Is it from Moses and his calling of his elders? Is it the Sanhedrin? Is it important that we know that other than to say he sent out a bunch more than the disciples? And he sent them two by two. And as you listen to the scripture from verse 17 through 20, they come back and they are amazed at what happened. Even the demons Obeyed us in your name, Lord. When Jesus is with us, great things are done. And Jesus said this, he said, Satan has fallen because you're going forth and bringing the kingdom of God. They didn't know that. Have you ever done something for God and not even known what the results of that have been Have you ever shared your faith with somebody and all of a sudden years later you might find out oh my goodness that time that you spent with me I'm like wow what does God have to say about this and and all of a sudden they're in the church and they're giving of themselves and you had no idea those 70 had no idea all they knew is that they went in the name of the Lord and when they came back they said even demons obeyed us They healed people. They ministered to people. They did what Jesus asked them to do. I think that's why in Galatians, when Paul is talking to the people, he's thinking you've kind of lost that first love, that law of grace, that law of Christ that says bring to people the love, the freedom, the mutual responsibility that we have to share in that gospel. Paul want so desperately for these Galatians to get it, to get their faith and work in a way that isn't about, you know, lifting themselves up. It isn't about trying to look good or trying to say, well, you know, so-and-so doesn't do as much as I do. You know, Paul warns against it. He goes, don't compare yourself with other people. And when a person is having a difficult time they're transgressing, they're sinning, they're doing something. Help them out. Don't start a gossip circle. See, the harvest that Jesus talked about in Luke of people wanting to come to him, the people in Galatians kind of had a, a harvest that was not healthy, one that was filled with bitterness and animosity. Gossip. He said, Don't, you're going to sow what you reap. It's not what God wants for you. Care for that person who's in need. Restore them to the family of God so that they can then do what is right and good. Again, I'm reminded of we're going where, Jesus? See, you don't have to go to Africa or France or anywhere else with the authority of Jesus, you could do it across the aisle or next door or wherever wherever there's need. When I was first ordained, I worked in a little tiny church. I was an associate pastor, and I oversaw children, youth, actually worked with children and youth and families, and I noticed that one of our workers who helped in the nursery, helped along with somebody else, had young children, herself, single mom would come on Sundays with alcohol in her breath. Strong alcohol in her breath. So being the brave associate pastor, new pastor I was, I went to the senior pastor because <laughs> I thought he could take care of this. That's why he's the senior pastor. And he said, well, Jan, what if you go and talk to her? Oh, Lord, we're going where, Lord? One of the most difficult things I'd had to do. So I went and I was just forthright as I could be. I didn't ask her if she drank. It was obvious there was alcohol in her breath. I just said, I I smell alcohol in your breath at 9 a.m. when you're coming to work in the nursery, and that concerns me. Are you okay? Is something going on in your life? That we don't know about that maybe we could help. I'm concerned for you. And yes, your children, and the children whom you serve. How can we help? She was grateful. I was shocked. I thought she would deny. I thought we'd have an argument. I thought she'd stop out of the church she just said thank you I have a problem we got her in a place that could help her it was restorative it wasn't pejorative like should be doing this see when we come together and we're doing what is good and we're not sowing bad things but we're working to sow the seeds of a harvest of God's people kingdom present we're doing something great. We have a little ministry here that's just kind of launching its a new stage called Village Community Care Ministry, and we started it because we thought we really need to do a better job of caring for everyone in this church. Because you're a great congregation, you're really wonderful, but we sometimes kind of people can fall through the cracks. And how can we do that better? And we look at that verse in 6 Galatians 6:3, "Bear one another's burdens." and so fulfill the law of Christ. In 1994, a group of boys, about 10 or 11 years old, shaved their heads, all but one. There were 14 of them. The one who didn't shave his head didn't need to. He had lymphoma. And the treatment was chemotherapy. And he'd lost his hair. So his school buddies, and wanting to support him, all went out and shaved their heads. Shaved their heads for Kyle. They so I thought, well, maybe this will help him bear this burden of time. One little boy said, nobody wants to be alone or awkward or outcast. So we thought maybe if we did this that it would help him feel better. That's what it means to bear each other's burdens, to be there, to care for one another. That is the law of Christ, which means grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's why we have this table. That's what Christ has done for us. He's graciously invited us to come and taste and see that he is good. People will come from East and West and North and South, from the Americas, from North America, Central America, South America, from Africa and India, from all of Asia, the Pacific Rim, from Europe, from Africa, and sit at table that the Lord has prepared. Everyone who trusts in Jesus is invited to join in this great feast.